everybody. Welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. This is episode 105. What's up, B-Pimp? It's 105 and we're feeling alive. Yeah, 105. That's uh, That is a dangerous fever temperature if you have it. Yeah, that's if you're at 105, you need to seek medical attention, I would say. Uh, without a doubt. So that that is uh, that's where we're at uh, in this podcast. Real hot. And if uh, you're listening to episode 105, you do not need to seek medical attention because you're in a great spot. Oh, yeah. This is the cure all, my friend. Uh huh. We are talking. I'm really excited to do this top five list. I almost can't believe we haven't done it yet, but we are talking about the best band names. Uh, so that's exciting. We're going to get to that. We're going to play a round of Let's Get Personal, which we haven't played at uh, played in a while. And of course, we got a whiskey to try as well. Do you want to start there, Brian? What whiskey do you got for the, our fine, fine people? Speaking of things that I'm surprised we haven't done yet, we've never reviewed Bullet Rye. Holy smokes. So I've got Bullet's Rye. We've done the bourbon, but we've never done the rye. We skipped the rye. That's crazy. I don't know. And I got excited because I'd had it before. Um, and I've had, I mean, full disclosure, I've had a little bit of this. I mean, you could see. So I'm not, I'm not, this is not a reaction video. This is a review. Okay. Um, it didn't come three quarters filled. No. It's not like a Some, Lay's bag of chips that comes like a third of a bag of chips. If they start doing that with, with whiskey, I'm going to have a major issue. That would be... There would be uh, problems all across the board. I, I think every whiskey company would go out of business. Yeah, if they start giving, yeah, that's that's not going to happen because people are going to be very upset. I can deal with some potato chips missing, but not my whiskey. No, no, no. As we know, we've talked about it a lot. We've done some rise on this show. Like we've immortalized it in our lyrics on our EP. The rise, bring it with the spiciness. We know that's the facts. Mm -hmm. This is a. This is a particularly interesting one because bullet i don't think was known for the rye they were known for the bourbon and then they and then the, as far as i know the rye came out later and it's distilled in lawrenceburg indiana but it's made using a 95 percent rye mash and it is 45 percent alcohol by volume so 90 proof you know what i don't know about rye is like bourbon you know primarily a, a kentucky southern ish u.s thing are rye the same way, or is there a more popular place on the globe than Kentucky, Tennessee, Southern Indiana? I don't think, I think it's very similar, the footprints of where they're made. Okay, it is because it's a lot, a lot of those companies also make a rye. Yeah, exactly. A bourbon. I, I do not know that there is a different like headquarter, like most popular area for rise but that is something that is actually an interesting question so i'm going to look that up and have some reports for us all right what, what glass are you drinking this out of this is my fancy glass that lisa just got me for christmas Very fancy looks like you got it neat yep it's neat we're giving it the smell test first smells delicious first of all um also the rise do have a different smell in my opinion i think it's a little bit more pungent Mm -hmm. um, a little bit more hit you in the nose than a, than a bourbon is because that's got a smoother, mellow, mellower smell to it. First sip is down. I'm trying to think when we did that bullet bourbon. It was probably pretty early on, right? It was, yeah. It was it was a while ago. I don't remember exactly when, but I looked it up to make sure we hadn't done the rye. And I remember seeing it like in the 
first 40 episodes, I think. Wow. We were just babies then. We were just youngins. Yeah. Starting out in the podcasting game. Um, the first sip, great. I love the, um, I like this rye specifically because it does have the spiciness, but it's the smoothness of the spiciness that I like about bullet rye. And if that doesn't make sense, let me expound on that a little bit. I think some rye, I like all rye that I've had, honestly. Like, I don't remember having a rye that I didn't like because I think I just am uh, a particular fan of that, like, spicy character. Mm-hmm. But some of them are more refined than others, I think is probably the best word. And you like that little extra bit of refinition, if you will? Correct. The refinition is what I'm really interested in. And this has a lot of it. I I think that... Yeah, I agree. I mean, rice do bring it with the spiciness. You've said so many times, but you do want that to be a, a slightly refined spiciness. And what I notice about this one also is that on the finish, it doesn't, it, it, the taste changes a little bit and it finishes smooth too, which not all rice do. Some of them are spicy all the way through. So if you haven't been able to tell yet, this is going on the smooth train. Hell yeah. Way to go bullet with the rye. Bring it with the spiciness, but not all the way through with the spiciness. Yes. Smooth finish. Exactly. I like it. I'm glad to have that on the smooth train. I I also like that recommendation from you because I don't think I drink as many ryes as you do or maybe have the same affinity for them. But if you're saying it finishes and that end is smooth, then that's kind of what I'm looking for. Maybe what some of our listeners would look for too. I agree. I think you should, anybody out there who hasn't ventured into the rye waters, check it out. Definitely. All right. Great. Another one for the smooth train. We, so we're about a third of the way into the NBA season, which is almost unbelievable. Well, we could be a third of the way. We could be much further into the NBA season. (laughs) I don't know, but uh, (laughs) as it is probably going to be scheduled, we're about a third of the way there. So we wanted to do just a a little bit of check-in. And of course, we got to have some Bulls talk. Brian, you've watched unbelievably every single Bulls game. What have you noticed about the team? First thing I want to say is Lowry Marketing was rounding into form nicely just before he separated his, or he has an AC joint sprain in his right shoulder. So he'll be out for about a month. And he had multiple 30-point games right before that. He was nailing threes. He was driving. He was getting rejected sometimes, but he was trying to dunk really hard on people, which is a good sign. Yeah. Um, I'd like it if he finishes and not doesn't get blocked, but I mean, even just the attempt is great. Um, so he's been promising. Also, Thadjic Johnson, as Stacey King calls him, or Thaddeus Young, as you may know him. <laughs> um, he's been looking awesome, which he, they keep, Stacey King keeps pointing out that there's a lot of shade being thrown at Jim Boylan, which is great, but mm-hmm. they did, he didn't use a lot of players maybe in the most optimum way is what I'm gathering. Um, Cause Thaddeus was around the three point line a lot. And what, what they're doing with him now is they have him in the high post like passing and he's amazing at that. Um, as young as this, like a solid player. I did think it was like an indictment against Boylan when he just felt like wasn't that way with the bulls. Like, clearly he wasn't being used. Yeah, but it's shocking because I had seen him before he came to the Bulls playing with Indiana and a couple like other places he had been, and I liked him. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't as clear to me like now that I see him this year, I'm like, oh wow, they just had no idea what to do. But then the other thing is Zach Levine has been scoring like a machine yes. this year. 
and um, he's been he's been getting assists more than he usually does and shooting threes at a pretty amazing clip. So he's been impressive so far this year. I really like the playmaking aspect. He's seemed to like, just like slowly be adding because I think that was not like a knock against this game, but like, you know, when he gets in that scoring mentality, he's a little bit more heads down, but yeah, the backcourt between him and Kobe white is fun to watch. Yeah. They had the other uh, night on Wednesday against, well, Virginia, but like the last game against the, um, against the Pelicans, the Kobe white and Zach Levine each hit eight threes. And that was the first time in NBA history that that had happened. I think they had 25 threes for the team too. Yes. It's not a franchise record. It's ridiculous. You know, it's so weird with the three point line, how it's just, it's not like the three point line has been moved within the last like 15 years. And it's just suddenly teams are like, Oh yeah, these are worth three points. (laughs) We got an extra point for these suckers. Oh, how about that? It turns out, even if we shoot a worse percentage on these than twos, we make up for it with them being worth three points. And when you play the Bulls, they foul three-point shooters a lot, so you get free free throws. (laughs) Sometimes, too. That's probably the one thing I wish, like, I understand, like, refereeing-wise, a lot has changed in the game, and, and you can't really put hands on if you're a defender very much anymore, but they have got to change the way that they're protecting three point shooters. It drives me nuts the way like an offensive three point shooter will kick out their legs and somehow still get the foul call in their favor. The Reggie Miller. I hate that. It seems like it shouldn't be that hard for a ref to see that move too, but maybe it's just, they're just not looking at their legs or something. I don't know. I think the only thing I could think of is there must be some kind of mandate from the league saying, like, even if you think they're probably telling them to err on the side of calling a foul. That's the only thing I can think of. Sometimes it's obvious. Mm -hmm. So now that the Bulls are more exciting to watch, and I hope like Wendell Carter Jr. has health going forward. Yeah, uh, that would be nice. I think that would make that a much more complete team. But what what are you thinking for the Bulls for the rest of the season? Are they going to make the playoffs? Um, I think they have a chance to make the playoffs, but one thing that could impact that is they're talking about, there's rumors going around that they may trade Zach Levine that we were just talking about. I don't know. And and the interesting thing, I did a, once I heard that, I was a little taken aback because I, I know he's in, he's got two years left on his deal, which is a pretty affordable deal considering his offensive production. Mm-hmm. He is, uh, there's a stat called defensive real plus minus out of 113 shooting guards. He is 113th on that stat. So there is definitely a caveat to how good he is on offense. Wow. Um, the 112th player in that stat is Bradley Beal. And the 111th player is James Harden. So you can see a theme there. These are elite scoring shooting guards who are not good at defense. And the point that I've heard made about why they should trade him is because if they keep him, they're going to have to sign him to a a max deal. And he's so bad at defense that you may be painting yourself into a bad spot by having him take up that much of the salary cap. I understand that, but I just am very conflicted because you also have to replace all the things he does on offense. If you let him go or trade him. 
Yeah. I what well, that stat is incredible. I did not know he was 113 out of 113. Yeah. Uh, that is profoundly terrible. It is bad. But but the fact that he's paired with those guys, they're all very similar. Like the other two are obviously more successful or more well-known, I guess you could say, but like like what are their ceilings? If they're the main superstar on a team, what is the team's ceiling? Yeah. You know? I guess I I don't disagree with the assessment that Zach Levine probably can't be your number one guy on a good or at least like contending team. Yeah. Like he's, I don't think, well, he's definitely not currently to that level, but I, I feel like he probably wouldn't ever be. Right. I just think he's going to be an elite offensive player. Who's going to be hamstrung by the defense, even though he's been playing more the eye test when I, before I knew that stat, I thought he had improved a lot this year because looking at, he looks like he's engaged on defense and he's, Mm -hmm. He's, but he, what I do notice is that there, the team is bad at help defense in general, and he's particularly bad. There's a lot of plays where somebody's finishing easy shots around the rim and he's standing off to the side. And okay. it looks like he should have helped or done something differently that led to that easy basket. Have in the trade rumors, have there been particularly like targeted players that you think the Bulls would be looking at, or are they just start trying to get like really young players or draft picks? The the targets that I've heard, the teams that are targeting him, I should say, are the Knicks and the Sixers, are the two that are most heavily interested in adding him. And I think the the one actual trade proposal I heard was that the Bulls really like Lonzo Ball, and he also really wants to play for the Bulls for some reason. And they would try to get, like, first-round picks in Lonzo Ball from the Pelicans for him. Um, That's which, interesting. Which would not, I would not hate, because I think Lonzo Ball is a very interesting player that I like. But it's like, okay, then you're just basically saying Lonzo's a more complete player and he's improved his shot a lot, but you're basically going for like an even keel, decent offense and defense player for like a super elite offensive player who's terrible at defense. You're, you're, you're almost like, but I mean, the first round picks obviously put that value up higher, but it's just, it's a tough thing. Yeah. And if it's Lonzo Ball, I mean, you're basically saying like the Bulls have no defined closer. Right. Which I think it's a difficult position to be in. I like the idea, actually, of for the 76ers. I like the idea of Zach Levine being on the 76ers. Yeah, they would. That, that would help them immensely. I think. Yeah. Ooh, that's tough. Well, I I kind of hope they don't trade them unless it's just like really just something you can't pass up. I don't think Lonzo Ball is that kind of player, though. No, I know that. Like I said, I mean, I don't hate them, but it would not get me excited about. I was hoping they would add players you know, to this core and like try to try to push forward and like get better. So I was a little taken aback, like we said about, Oh, they're just going to like trade one of them. I understand the contract concerns and like all the other things, but I don't know. Billy Donovan just said this week, winning sets the rules. He doesn't. So if yep. winning sets the rules, then if that's what the front office thinks, then we've got a Lithuanian running the team. So I have to trust him. I, yeah, I think you have to trust him if he's Lithuanian. We'll just see how it goes. I I hope he has a decent amount of rope. I mean, traditionally, Chicago Bulls presidents and GMs have an unbelievable amount of rope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I feel like this might take a minute to figure out where the Bulls are going because they're just... It feels like, injuries aside, they're still just, you know, okay to pretty good at every position. And that just doesn't cut it. 
Exactly. They need. But, they definitely need to improve the roster. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't want to cut bait too soon because just tanking again. I mean, Chicago can attract free agents, but they haven't done like an awesome job of that lately. But you don't want to purposefully be bad and lose your opportunity to actually attract a free agent either. Right. I don't know. That's a difficult position to be in. But speaking of basketball, I, mean, I believe we the next thing we have to cover is the game that we haven't played in nearly a year, if you believe it or not. Uh, but it's called Let's Get Personal. And, and Brian, do you want to tell the folks at home what this game is about? This wonderful game that has been gone from our lives for too long is basically, I'm going to give Andy a name of a person. And spoiler for this, the theme is, because of a recent conversation we had on a podcast, the 1993 Phoenix Suns. Oh, the bane of my existence. Yes. So I'm going to give you, we were talking about Kevin Johnson. So I'm going to give you players from that team. And you're going to tell me, does that person in their Wikipedia article have a section labeled personal life? That's how simple and beautiful this game is. That's all we need to know. Wow. That it's, it's such a great game. I like I like the category that you picked Uh, for the people that don't know. We have played this game in the past a few times. So Brian will ask me questions for this episode. Um, I will ask Brian for the next episode uh, and that will complete a round. We've done six rounds of this so far where we ask five names each. And so right now I have a lead, but not a comfortable lead at all. I've gotten said correctly if they have a personal life section or not in their Wikipedia page, 17 out of 30 times correct. And Brian, you're at 15 out of 30 times correct. So I'm two ahead but that means you're you are within striking distance and I don't want to blow it here. Can I guess before we jump into it, just like the five people that you picked? Yeah, that's I, a fun team. So for the folks at home, when they talk about the NBA officials rigging an NBA game, it's it's come up before. And a lot of people will talk about the Sacramento Kings versus the L.A. Lakers in 2000 or 2001. I can't remember. Go back just a little bit further. Take a look at the stats of 1993 Western Conference Finals Game 7. You tell me how many effing free throws the Phoenix Suns shot in that game. I forget the exact number, but I think it's 56. They refused to let the Sonics go to the finals that year because they wanted to see Sir Charles or something. I don't know what it was. Uh, But anyway, here's my guess for who you picked. Sir Charles... Oliver Miller, Thunder Dan, KJ, Danny Ainge. You got three of five right. Ooh, yikes. Um, Dumas? Nope. Yeah, all right. All right. I'm going to stop guessing. <laughs> uh, I, let's just play the game. Uh, let's get into it. This is Let's Get Personal. Let's get personal. Personal. Perfect. All right, Brian. Who's the first person? Number one for you to answer yes they have a personalized section or no they don't is thunder dan marley thunder dan marley played with the suns played with the heat a little bit can't remember who else you might have been on the Cavs at one point yeah that sounds right i don't know um thunder dan he's not a name that you hear that much anymore so of course he played before wikipedia so you have to think about if somebody would go back and then fill in the personal life section for him I'm going to guess they did. 
I'm going to say yes, he has a personal life section. You are one for one, sir. Whew. All right. Number two, somebody who I didn't, I'll be honest before we get further, I didn't realize that I forgot that they beat the Sonics. This was not like some kind of <laughs> attack on your childhood or something. But speaking of attacks on your childhood and teams that were stolen from your hometown, Sacramento Mayor Kevin Johnson. Oh my God. What were the odds? We were supposed to get the Kings and he just so happened to be the mayor of Sacramento at the time. He's like a terrible mayor, too. I'm pretty sure he went out with some kind of scandal. But the one thing he did right was keeping the Kings in Sacramento, I guess. So kudos to him. Uh, because he was a mayor after his playing career, I just can't believe he doesn't have a personal life section. So I'll say for KJ, he does have a personal life section. You're spot on. Two for two. Two for two. Sweet. Number three is a player that is near and dear to my heart, and it is Oliver Miller. I love Oliver Miller. I remember actually specifically in the Western Conference Finals that he was injured for a game or so. And I thought that would be the difference maker <laughs> for the Sonics. Like, oh, Oliver Miller's out. They are fucked. Um, but let's see. Oliver Miller, I'm going to say, doesn't have a personal life section. You're doing great. Wow. You're three for three here. Three for three. Hot dog. So that's a great start. You're, you're extending your lead. Um, now the question is, these last two are a little tricky. Mm. Will you go for a perfect five for five? Number four, C squared Cedric Sabalos. Oh, I forgot he was on that team. Because he played for like the Lakers a little bit too, right? Correct. Cedric Sabalos. Great name. I think he competed in a dunk contest or two. I'm going to say Cedric Sabalos does have a personal life section. Four for four. Wow. You're hot. Unstoppable today. Get out the finger guns. You're like Joe Kim Noah making mid-range jumpers. <laughs> have we, has either one of us ever gotten a five for five? I would have, well, actually, based on the fact that I'm at a 500 clip and you're at just two over that, I don't know if we have. Yeah, I'd be kind of surprised if we have. I bet we haven't. All right, here we I go. Think I, I think I had a one for five, though. So. <laughs> Um, you you have a really good chance at this, I think, of getting five for five. But the last one is, as always, the tricky one. Yeah. Somebody who I don't even remember being on that team, but <laughs> Google said they were. Um, it's Kurt Rambis. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kurt Rambis is better known for playing for the Lakers. I yeah. just he's also I I kind of forget what roles he's had. I think he was a coach briefly. Maybe maybe he's in a front office somewhere. He was a head coach at some point. Oof, that was probably a mistake. I bet, I got to think, he's just had like a, he stayed in the game that Kurt Rambis does have the personal life section. I'm sorry to inform you that you are four for five because he does not. Oh, heartbreaking. I know. I needed one. I thought a couple of those were too easy, so I needed one that was like weird, and that was Kurt Rambis. Yeah, no, that was a good one. Um, all right, four for five. So that puts me at 21 for 35, which means next episode, you can't tie me, but if you get five for five, you'd only be one down. And it also means that if you're shooting threes, you're doing well. And if you're shooting free throws, you're doing pretty poorly. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll have an opportunity. I'll say that. You'll have okay. an opportunity. The category you're going to get should be in your wheelhouse. 
Excellent. I like it. Uh, it might even be a partial overlap of an earlier category. I, did. I like, can't remember. I should do research on older episodes, but I forget sometimes. Um, all right. Uh, we have to get into our top five, and we are talking about uh, the best band names. There are some good band names out there. I've been a part of a lot of bands. Some were good named, some were not so good named. But coming up with a, a good band name, I feel like is really important. I do. I think it can make or break a band. Absolutely. Like, though it would have been a fun band name, like I always think like Pearl Jam, pretty good band name. Mookie Blaylock, which is what they either thought about going by or maybe did for a brief amount of time. I don't know that it would have worked for them. Even though that's like a cool band name, it just probably wouldn't have worked. I love it. I like when people are just ironic. I like Mookie Blaylock as a player. I think it's an awesome name. But you're right. I mean, if you're trying to be a serious band, Mm -hmm. what are people going to think? Oh, you're Mookie Blaylock decided to quit the NBA and go out on the road as a band. Yeah. Now, if they had gone by Stacey Ogman, that's a different story. Plastic Man? You kidding me? Of course. They'd be in the Hall. Well, they're probably in the Hall of Fame already, but. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, Without further ado, let's get into it. These are our top five band names. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. All right, B-Pimp, what's your number five? You know, it's funny that you mentioned bands you've been in, because my number five is a band that you've been in. What? Yeah, it's 8090. Thank you. I I love honored. I love 8090 as a name, because you explained to me that it was because of you being from... It was because of like the eight o the routes eighty, interstate eighty and ninety, right? And like where you, you and Seth are from. Yeah, uh, ironic because I now live in Oakland, California. But Seth is from Oakland, California, and I'm from Seattle. And we were in Chicago when we were doing the band stuff. So that's from Seattle to Chicago, you take I ninety, and from Oakland to Chicago, you take I eighty, and so that's where eight o nine o came from. Uh, he insisted that we call it 80902. I was thinking 8090, but I actually really like 8090 better. I love 8090. It's like for something for some reason it was just like the perfect name for that collaboration and the music you guys made. It was just perfect. So I, I had to include it in my list. Yeah, if you uh, Google 80902, I think like just the numbers, sometimes like a either a Japanese or a Korean pop band, I think comes up. I think there's another group actually called that. Well, they're not as cool. No, I don't think they're nearly as cool. All right. My number five is a different hip hop duo, but a tribe called Quest. I considered that. I love that name. It's just cool. The The only thing the name has going against it is it doesn't like necessarily roll right off the tongue, but it's just really cool. And I think they're the only, I'm pretty sure that they're the only group from this era that I have on, but there are a lot of early nineties hip hop groups that have like great names. Oh yeah. Um, I love the far side. I didn't put them on the list, but yeah, just some really great names in there. Uh, who's your number four? My number four is a band that is near and dear to my heart. The rest of these are going to kind of just sound like bands I love, but I guess that's fitting. The, thrash metal pioneers pantera pantera great name i will say uh, i'll defend you on this because i don't listen to a lot of metal myself but there are some great metal band names oh there's yeah 
yeah, they didn't like make my list, but like Pantera is a great name. There's probably others in your list that so I don't want to spoil it, but there are some great metal band names. There's some great ones and there's some awful ones, but <laughs> yeah, Pantera is one of the good ones. I think it's just because it's like strange to me that Pantera is essentially just Latin for Panther. I mean, so it's interesting to me that they it's they're from like rural Texas and the lead singers from New Orleans and they it's just interesting to me that they said, yeah, we're going to call ourselves Pantera. Like, I wonder how they arrived at that. It's like it is it is fitting. And it's like an iconic, like every, even if you don't listen to metal, you probably know what Pantera is. So it's like, it's interesting that it became so ubiquitous with them, but I just am always fascinated by like where the names came from too. And I don't even know the answer for them, but I just thought Hmm. it was cool. No, that's a great name. Uh, Good pick there for number four. My number four is, uh, and I like this name too, because it can, it's also a great abbreviation, but it's just one of my favorite rock names. Credence Clearwater Revival. Oh, that's a good one. It's just, it just feels right. The kind of music they make also just fits with the name really well too. And you can just say, if you don't want to say that whole name, you can just say CCR and everybody knows what you're talking about too. I like, I like that it works for both. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's an excellent choice. All right. What is your number three? My number three is one that I picked because I love the band and I think it's fitting to them and it's Soundgarden. Ooh, Soundgarden's a good one. That's just think uh, of what is a Soundgarden when you picture it? It's just great music in a garden. Yeah. I think that's another era, like that Seattle grunge. You get some really good names in there too. Yeah. And I think they're known for their albums had always had really high production values and like really good mixes. And so it's like fitting that they're like, yeah, this is you're just in the garden of sound of great music when you listen mm-hmm. to us. I thought it was an apropos for them. No, that's a great pick. Um, all right, my number three, another Seattle group. And I hope I didn't put them too high because I'm biased, but I still think it's cool and that no one else ever did this. But the presidents of the United States of America. Yeah, that's, that is Long really names. smart. Yeah, I don't know. I think a near perfect band name if you're cool with super long band names i know they've kind of shortened it um sometimes they just go by presidents and i've abbreviation wise it does it's not as good as like p-u-s-a but just the full name that's what i'm talking about here the president of the united states of america i really like love it all right what is your number two Number two, another favorite of mine, Queens of the Stone Age. That's a great one. That just missed my list. I, I like it. It just sounds great on its own. Plus, Q-O-T-S-A is the abbreviation. Of, and it, I, I always have liked that for some reason, the way it looks. I think it's just because you don't see Qs mm-hmm. around, flying around that often. Um, but also, the reason that they're named that is because early on when they, were, when they formed in the mid to late 90s and they started playing, somebody told josh home that they sounded like the band queen if they had existed in the stone age that's why they called themselves that so yes so i love the story behind it and the and the name itself for that one that that is a great story behind that name because yeah i don't even know where you would come up with something like that yeah great name all right my number two is built to spill I, I don't know why I just like it's short it's like funny but it's also just like 
it's just perfect in some way. It's like you're not a structurally sound building or band built to spill. I do like that. It's it's pleasing when it like just saying it, you know. Yeah, cool band too. Uh, sorry for picking so many like Pacific Northwest bands, but I, I must have an affinity for their name choices. Yeah, I think they're just smart people from up there. All right, we are down to it. What is your number one? Uh, my number one is not one of my favorite bands. It's a band I like, but I think the name is maybe the most perfect name for a band ever. It's the Smiths. Ooh, great call. The reason I say that, it's very simple, but it's like they're from Manchester and they the music they play is very melancholy. And I think that if you know about the way the regions interact in England, like what people from Manchester are known for and like what that band meant at the time that they broke out, it's the perfect name. Cause it's just like a generic everyman, And they're basically saying like, we, our music is depressing and mm-hmm. it's beautiful, but it's like, this is just, I'm a person I'm in the world. I don't really mean anything. Here you go. Like it's, I think it's maybe the most apropos name, band name of any band that's ever existed. That is great. That's a great number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number one is a little bit of that similar vein, but yeah, I spent some time with it and I decided to go with this. My number one is the roots. Hey, there you go. I think just like simple, uh, great word that they chose feels perfect to the kind of like organic nature of their music. Yeah. Um, I learned that the roots briefly went by the square roots, which would have been awful. They would have never made it if they were the square roots. (laughs) Um, But the roots is just, it just feels perfect for the kind of music that they make. And it's simple. And I, it's, uh, I like that we were kind of, we didn't have any double dips, but I like that we were thinking kind of similar things for what makes that like number one band name. Yes, absolutely. And Questlove is a great name for an artist as well. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, all right. Do you have any, I have a ton of honorable mentions. Do you have any honorable mentions you want to go over? You know, honestly, I have two. Um, I, there was more that I considered, but I really just left it with two that I almost put on the list. And one of them is Rage Against the Machine. Ooh, that's uh, good. I just think it perfectly encapsulates like their music. You don't really need to say much more else about that. Um, and then Death Clock, because it's a it's like a fictional cartoon band, and it's like making fun of metal. And I think Brendan Small thought about that and was like, I need something ridiculous. And it's a clock that counts down until you die. And then <laughs> using K's is always funny and metal. So I, I just think he did a great job of coming up with a name for that band. Yeah. You, you would have to put like some thought into that and they kind of nailed it. Yeah. I think he did a good job. All right. Some of the favorites I have, uh, another hip hop group, uh, from the nineties that I liked diggable planets, social distortion. Uh, this band, I don't know anything about, but I just love their, their band name. We were promised jetpacks. uh i like the soggy bottom boys the fictional group from uh oh brother where art thou gnarls barkley alabama shakes nirvana nwa public enemy and then queens of the stone age nice 
There are some good band names out there uh, for sure. Um, if you have a band name that you think we forgot, there's a good chance that we did. There are a lot of bands. Go ahead and let us know on our Twitter feed. That's at Whiskey Sessions or hit us up on our email, whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com and send us an email there. Uh, but we got to go ahead and, and uh, read your emails that we have for this episode. So let's get to it. These are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails! And now we'll read them. All right. So I see this in the old email inbox. It says, gentlemen, I was happy to stumble upon this fine, fine podcast. Thank you. Uh, theoretical question for you. If you were stranded on a desert island with only one type of whiskey between a bourbon, a rye, an Irish, a scotch, or a Canadian whiskey, which would you choose? This is from Manny in Dover, Delaware. Manny, that's a great question. I think myself, it's fitting that you asked this on this episode because I think I would go with a rye. Hmm. I like that pick. My instinct was to go with the bourbon, but if it's a desert island, maybe it's kind of hot. I don't know if I do want that. I might actually... Uh, might prefer a Canadian whiskey. Get you a nice Crown Royal for that hot island. Yeah, I, that's a tough one. I think I am going to stick with bourbon because I'd be lying to myself if I said anything else. Uh, but uh, we're both going with the good old American whiskeys. Oh, yeah. I because, love it. Yeah, this desert island is not going to be near uh, Ireland or Scotland or Canada. No way. Come on. Yeah, forget it. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, what else do we got in the email inbox? Dear Whiskey Sessions, remember when Coors Light kept changing their cans to make it easier to drink? The wide mouth can, the side vent so you can get the beer flowing full speed down your neck? I had a couple ideas for whiskey drinking devices in the same vein. First one is the bottle that has a collapsible spout built into the bottom, so you just flip it out and start chugging. Only kink here is that you can't put it back once you open it, so you have to drink the whole bottle at once. Mm. Second is a glass dipped in liquid nitrogen in case you prefer cold whiskey, but I haven't been able to solve for the horrible, horrible hand mutilation. <laughs> Don't steal my ideas. Ira from Manchester, New Hampshire. Oh, man. Uh, we're, we're just talking about Manchester all over the place. Those are great ideas. I don't think we're going to steal them, though. I can tell you, Ira, that I will not be stealing either of those ideas. I mean, one is leads to just a bad time if you're drinking a full bottle of whiskey and having to. The other one is, I mean, he said it in the email, terrible, terrible hand mutilation. I think we need to give Ira some tips on, like, how to vet an idea and then decide which ones are worth getting to a prototype stage and which ones aren't. Yeah, and you know what? <sighs> I think we're bearing the lead a little bit too, because Ira, the, the example that I used was from Coors. And Coors's problem is not that you can't drink it fast enough. Like if they wanted to make their beer more drinkable, they should make it taste better. <laughs> shots fired at Coors. Oh yeah, tons of shots fired. At, uh, that's all I do all day is fire shots at Coors. <laughs> so I want to take that same recommendation and apply it to whiskey. Don't worry about how how fast somebody can drink your whiskey, but making it the highest quality whiskey possible. That's excellent advice. Yeah, I, uh, we want to, like, more than anything else, recommend people's whiskey for the smooth train. It, it breaks my heart to give a whiskey a boot, but it happens sometimes. 
It does. It happens more for you than me, but it does happen sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it does happen. Um, all right. Well, thank you for the email, Ira. Thanks. Uh, of, of course, anytime you got a question for us, you want to go over anything, uh, send us an email. That's whiskey sessions music at gmail.com. We'll read it on a future episode. But that's it for this episode, episode 105. Uh, be pimp, do you got any words of wisdom to leave our wonderful listeners with? If you want a cold whiskey, just put some ice in it. Yep. Not liquid nitrogen. Correct. Uh, until next time, this is Amet saying peace out. And be pimp. Bye bye. <laughs>